Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with wise counsel as we pick up in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 9. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. If a ruler hearken to lies, all of his servants are wicked. The poor and the deceitful man meet together. The Lord lighteneth both their eyes. The king that faithfully judgeth the poor, his throne shall be established forever. And now we have a couple here that have to do with children, 15 and 17. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yes, he will give delight unto thy soul. Going back now to 16. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. God help us. We've got to have a vision for the Lord's work and for the accomplishing of the Lord's work. People that are without a vision perish. But he that keepeth the law happy is he. We've heard this where no vision is, the people perish. That's a very often quoted proverb. A servant will not be corrected by words, for though he understand, he will not answer. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. So be slow to speak. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. If you take real care in bringing up a servant from a child, it becomes like a son to you. An angry man stirs up strife, a furious man abounds in transgressions. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And whoso is a partner with a thief hates his own soul. He hears cursing and bereath it not. 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be saved. The fear of man brings a snare. It will cause even great men. The fear of man will cause even great men to do untoward things. Because of the fear of King Abimelech, Abraham tried to toss his wife off as a sister. It was the fear of Abimelech that caused Abraham to say, she's my sister. The fear of man brings a snare. 
my great hero David, was afraid of King Achish, Achish, who was the king of the Philistine city of Gath. And David suddenly became afraid that Achish would uh, maybe imprison him or something. And so David began to act like a madman. Look what the fear of man will do to otherwise great men. Here is David slobbering all over his beard, screaming and scrabbling, trying to climb the walls just because he was afraid of Achish. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoso puts his trust in the Lord, he shall be safe. So we need not have the fear of man, but we surely need to put our trust in the Lord. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. The real decision-making process comes from God. You seek the ruler's favor, but the judgment really proceeds from the Lord. An unjust man is an abomination to the just, and he that is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. This is the end of the Proverbs that were gathered by Hezekiah's men. Now, in the 30th chapter, we have the words of Agur, whoever he is. He tells us who he is, but it really doesn't help. He's the son of Jacketh, but I don't know who Jacketh is. Even the prophecy, the man spake unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel and Eucal, and, and men that I don't know. So yet God has seen fit to put this here in the scriptures. And Augur declares, surely I am more brutish than any man. I have not the understanding of a man. I neither learn wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy. In other words, the guy isn't making any claims for himself. PhDs or anything else. I've not learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the holy. I'm more brutish than any man. I don't have the understanding of men. But now he asks some very searching questions. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Talking about men. Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Surely no man. Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Surely no man. Who has established all of the ends of the earth? Not men. He's talking about God. He's talking about the things that are in God's category. Paul tells us he who has ascended is the same one who first of all descended. And when he ascended, he led the captives, or led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the winds in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? Interesting. But even more interesting, he said, 
what is his son's name? Referring to God's son. And so it is an interesting question. He is speaking of the characteristics and the things that belong unto God. He said, what is his name? The name, of course, is Yahweh. And what is his son's name? Yehovah Shua, Jesus, if you can tell. For every word of God is pure. He, that is God, is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. Don't take upon yourself to add to the word of God. Now, in Deuteronomy, after God gave the law, God gave a warning that a person wasn't to try to diminish the law, taking away from the commandments that God had given, or man wasn't to seek to add to it. Yet uh, the Jews in their Talmud added some 60 volumes of interpretation to that law the Mishnah and the Talmud. Here again, the word of God is pure. Now he says, don't add to it, lest God reproves you and you be found a liar. In the end of the book of Revelation, God pronounces a special curse upon any man who would add to the words of that book or take away from the words of that book. Unto him who would dare to add to the book, to him shall be added the plagues that are in the book. He that would dare to take away from the words of the book, his name shall be taken out of the book of life. It is a very heavy thing for a man to presume to speak for God. And God gives some very serious warnings to anyone who would presume to speak for God. Woe unto them who say, Thus saith the Lord, when I have not spoken, saith the Lord of hosts. And God tells all the things he'll do to that person who dares to speak in the name of the Lord when God hasn't really spoken. Now, in Peter's epistle, he said that God hath given to us all that pertains to to life and to godliness. Really, you don't need any more than the word that God has already given. All that we need for life and for godliness has already been given to us in the word of God. We don't need some modern day revelation from God. Now, the problem of men speaking for God as there are men who purport that they do. The Catholic Church has placed an aura around the Pope and the papal infallibility so that he supposedly is speaking for God and his word is acknowledged as being the word of God or with the Mormons, their prophets and their president speaks the word of God and they have to accept it as scripture 
and they can give you, you know, argumentation, why should God quit speaking to men and so forth, and, and uh, you know, that, that God is speaking to us today through the prophets and all. The thing is, as is declared here, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. Now, those men who have purportedly spoken for God, the thing that happens is that the next guy comes along and oftentimes will disclaim what they have said. And he's speaking for God when he disclaims what the previous person said. Brigham Young, one of the prophets and the leaders of the Mormon church, supposedly speaking for God, said an awful lot of radical things that the church denies today. The Mormon church denies much of the doctrine that Brigham Young proclaimed. He actually proclaimed that Adam was their God, the only God with whom they had to do. He proclaimed that there are some sins for which the blood of Jesus Christ cannot atone. A person has to shed their own blood to atone for particular sins. The blood of Christ is not sufficient. And he preached this in many a sermon and how you can do those friends a favor by shedding their blood in order that their sins might be expiated. Now, the Mormons today deny this kind of a shedding your own blood for the atonement of your own sins. But yet one of their prophets declared it, speaking for God. Now, God doesn't change his mind. Thus, when a man purports to be speaking for God, when God hasn't spoken, that man is usually discovered to be a liar. So the word of God is pure. It doesn't change. It isn't altered. But men so often purportedly speak for God when indeed God hasn't spoken. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Now, this is more or less the prayer of this augur unto God. Just two things, Lord, I, I desire. Don't deny me them before I die. Remove me far from vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny thee, or lest I be, and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Uh, he's really seeking just sort of a moderate kind of a life. I don't want riches, lest I would say, who is God? And deny God. Or I don't want to be poor either, that I would be tempted to go out and steal in order to take care of my needs. So God, just give me that in the middle average life. Don't accuse a servant to his master, lest he cursed you and you be found guilty. Now there is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. 
There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet they are not really washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. A wicked generation indeed from verse 11 to 14, the different generations that do these wicked things. Now, <laughs> the horse leech has two daughters crying, give, give. And there are three things that are never satisfied. Yes, there are four things that say not, it is enough. Four things that you can't really satisfy. Four things that say it isn't enough. The first is the grave. Never says it's enough. People are dying every day. The second thing, the barren womb. The earth that is not filled with water, the dry parched earth, and the fire, they none of them say it is enough. Now the eye that mocks his father and despises to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. Now there are three things that are too wonderful for me, yea, four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. Such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done no wickedness. There are three things on the earth that are disquieted and for four which it cannot bear. Four odious things. The servant when he reigns, a fool when he is filled with meat, an odious woman when she is married, and a handmaid that is the heir to her mistress. There are four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise or wiser than wise. Four little things, yet so very wise, wise beyond their own wisdom. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet they go forth all of them by bands. The spider takes hold with her hands, or the gecko, and is in the king's palaces. From the ant we learn the wisdom of preparing for the future, how that it lays up its food in the summer because somehow the ant has an awareness that the time is coming when it won't be able to get out and lay up food, so it stores up the food while it has the opportunity to do so. Jesus said in an interesting parable, make use of the unrighteousness of mammon so that when, you, when they fail, you will be received into the everlasting kingdom. In other words, use what you have now for your eternal benefit. That's wise. Many people don't have that wisdom. The ant teaches us the wisdom of preparation for the future. The coney, the little hyrax, 
teaches us the wisdom of recognizing our own weakness and feebleness and to take shelter in that which is stronger than we are. Makes his home in the rocks. Recognize our own weakness and hide ourselves in that rock, Jesus Christ. The locust shows wisdom in his cooperative efforts. By himself, the locust can do no harm. As he goes forth in bands, he can be devastating. Oh, that the church would learn the lesson of working together, cooperative endeavors for the kingdom of God. And finally, the gecko shows its wisdom by taking hold with its hands and as a result dwells in king's palaces, even as we are to take hold the promises of God as they of the Old Testament did, that we might dwell one day in the king's palace. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Proverbs on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Proverbs 29 through 30 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you in His love and grace. May the Lord watch over you, and may you be filled with His Spirit and walk in the strength and in the power of the Spirit of God as He anoints you day by day. May you be enabled by Him, and may you enter into that fullness that He has for you, walking with the Lord, loving the Lord, listening to the Lord. May your mind and heart be clear, sensitive to God and to the things of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Undoubtedly, one of the most glaring signs that our society is in trouble is the breakdown of the family unit. Marriages just aren't making it today, and kids are suffering as they watch the breakup of their homes. Those marriages still holding together are often plagued by conflict and turmoil, making the home a battleground instead of a refuge. That's why The Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's Marriage and Family MP3, 
where Pastor Chuck discusses basic biblical principles to keep a family's love alive. Each member of the family has a different set of needs and responsibilities. And when you know and apply God's principles, everyone in the family can experience real peace, real joy, and an agape love. To order your copy of the Marriage and Family MP3 by Chuck Smith, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.